football. America's live and underway here on ESPN Plus. And once again, live and underway from Mexico City, this time from ESPN's Mexico City studios, which are not far from Estadio Azteca, where we just saw a scoreless draw between the United States and Mexico in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. Sebastian Salazar, Hercules Gomez, Mauricio Pedrosa. Let's breathe. <laughs> I feel like there was a lot of gritted teeth. I feel like you need to breathe. Minutes. Yeah, I do need to breathe. I need, I need about, uh, I've been having like 10 coffees all day. Yeah, you're a little amped. Yeah, then, then, you get, then you get to the game that we just had. We obviously have plenty to discuss. We will discuss it over the next hour or so here on ESPN+. Plus. But before we get to the game, let's kind of catch you up on everything else that's going on around CONCACAF. Four games tonight, all with pretty big and serious implications uh, as far as the CONCACAF table goes. Uh, we'll start Jamaica and El Salvador. Uh, they played to a 1-1 draw. Mm -hmm. uh, that game really doesn't, that doesn't do anybody any good. No, right? No, no. Uh, One of them needed a win. No, but both are now eliminated from contention. You got Panama and Honduras. They also played to a 1-1 draw. That's a huge. Big uh, implications. Big drop points there for Panama at home against already eliminated Honduras. Mexico and the United States playing to a scoreless draw, uh, as you just saw. And then Costa Rica, a 1-0 win over Canada. Celso Borges, the goal for Costa Rica, Canada with uh, Mark Anthony K sent off in that one. So they dropped their first game of the qualifying cycle. Do the Canadians, they still sit atop the table, 25 points. Of course, the top three go to the World Cup, fourth into that intercontinental playoff. U.S. and Mexico tied for second. Costa Rica now up into fourth as they leapfrog Panama with their uh, three-point performance uh, at home. All right, so that's where we stand. Uh, let's dive in on the game. Herc, we've had five minutes to cool off from the 90 <laughs> minutes. Your first thoughts? What the peafuck? Oh, wow. That's a bad miss, huh? Yeah. I mean, you of all people should have some... You know about misses? Yeah. No, yeah. should just have sympathy <laughs> for that position. I do. I do. Um, and that's not the only reason the U.S. men's national, national team did not win. Well, so you're, you're coming at it as this, is, this isn't a good point. Like, no. the U.S. should have had three. They should have had three in the bag. Really? Even though I thought the overall better of the play in between the boxes probably belonged to slightly. I'll give the edge to L3. Uh, but the overall just quality chances... I mean, the man of the match was probably Memo Choa. Hmm. If you think about it, it was yeah. Memo Choa, and that tells you exactly everything you need to know about what happened in this match and who had the opportunities. The opportunities of gold, the opportunities in front of the net were for the U.S. men's national team. The header from Montes in the first half was really the only one that threatened. Maybe the save that Jack Stefan had against Chucky Lozano towards the end in the second half. But did you ever feel like Mexico really threatened? Zach Steffen, I mean, there was a bad touch by Tecatillo Corona from Charlie Rodriguez, that, that pass. That, that was probably the biggest sigh of something could happen, but at no point was he ever really threatened. Yeah, it snaps the three-game winning streak that the U.S. had over Mexico, but it felt a lot like those other three games mm. in that Mexico had the ball, maybe because the U.S. allowed it, right. but really wasn't dangerous. And when the U.S. did have the ball out, they were by far the more dangerous team. That's right. So Mexico had possession, yeah. but it felt like the U.S. had control of the game. The game was played like, probably like Greg Perhalter planned it, which is something very weird for me to say, but I think he outcoached once again Tata Martino. First 20 minutes, finally Tata Martino tried something new, and he started with Hector Herrera and Edson Alvarez playing holding midfielders, like, like we said yesterday, giving uh, Charlie Rodriguez a lot yeah. more freedom like he plays in Cruz Azul. And he created some chances, but then Berhalter adjusted. And Mexico then didn't see the ball for the rest of the first half, including that big chance by Christian Pulisic saved by Guillermo Chua. That's why I say I think Mexico had possession, but the U.S. felt like they were in control of the action. It's funny to hear Mauricio say he thinks Greg Berhalter outcoached I, I do. Yeah. Tata Martino. Again. I think in spite of Greg Berhalter today, they earned a draw. Really? Yeah. Why? Uh, what did he get wrong? The, well, the, just the substitutions, the, the momentum in the game. You want to criticize his substitutions, at least he made them. That's true. That's true. But, but that's minute. not an out-coaching type of thing. That's not what something you can hang your hat on and say that you, you out-coached somebody because you actually made subs. You know? it, th there's a point in the game where the midfield was non-existent for the U.S. men's national team. Musa was gassed. Mm -hmm. Tyler was chasing shadows. Uh, Kellen Acosta was in between players. Neither was he getting really stuck in defensively, nor was he providing much of service. He had a good play. Mm -hmm. That ended up with Gio Reyna to Pifak and in some set pieces, but he was never really in the game. Sure. And that's okay if you're a six. That's okay if you're a defensive midfielder. But if you're playing in that hybrid eight, well, you better be somebody. Like you saw when Gio Reyna yeah. came on. Yes. There's a difference. You get the ball, you connect. You need to be that lifeline from the defenders to the, to the attack, to the forwards. And it felt like the midfield, because they were non-existent, Ricardo Pepe was non-existent. Mm, yeah. But you can say the same 
about Mexico's midfield as well. Yeah, that's true. They were very non-existent. True. Edson Alvarez was very lucky. He, he didn't see second yellow. Two times. Two times. So Hector Herrera, again, why can't he perform like he does when he plays Man. with Atletico de Madrid? And then Charlie Rodriguez, again, good 20 minutes, then completely unexistent. He was substituted in the second half, and then he was not clear what Tata Martino was trying to do. That's why I say that I feel that Greg Berhalter outcoached Tata because he had to make one big adjustment. What do I do to control Charlie Rodriguez? And he did it. He took the ball away from him, and Mexico stopped being dangerous. It's not a win, Herc, but it's a tie that kind of feels like a win for the United States, especially with all that we've been saying. If you didn't at least get a point, you leave the door open. We saw what happened tonight. Costa Rica took that first step through the door for there to be something on the line when you get to Costa Rica. This is a not just a good performance, but like a great result for the U.S., isn't it? Yeah, yeah, to hang their hat on, absolutely. Especially for this young group, because they've never experienced Azteca. Azteca's still the only place one of the best places in the world at a home field advantage. They've only lost twice. There's only been two Aztecasos in the history of their stadium, in the history of the Mexican national team. It's Costa Rica and that's Honduras. It's never been the U.S. men's national team. This is only the fourth tie, the fourth draw, the fourth time they've gotten a point there. So that's definitely something to hang your head on. Okay, uh, I want to get your perspective on the Mexican performance, Mal, but right now we got Greg Berhalter live at Estadio Azteca. Let's listen into his post-game press conference. game, which is Panama. I'm um, looking forward to getting back home and playing in front of our crowd in Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Greg. We will start with Stephen Goff from the Washington Post. Hey, Greg. Uh, getting this point on the road, you certainly had chances to win it. Um, but now uh, heading in, heading into the weekend, how do, you, how do you feel about your chances now about qualifying? No, it's just a next game up mentality. You know, we'll get a group on the field that competes on Sunday. Looking forward to having a home crowd. And we're getting close. You know, we knew obviously this window is going to put us in position to either qualify or not qualify. But the valuable point on the road, um, looking forward to getting back home and, um, and having a good performance. Next will be Paul Tenorio from The Athletic. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Greg. You talked about some of those missed opportunities. Do you still feel, considering how much energy they poured in, the way that they were kind of throwing themselves around late, does it, does it feel positive in the group right now to get the result, or do you think the mentality will be in the right space going into to Panama despite feeling like maybe we could have gotten three points here? Positive disappointment. That's how I categorize it. Um, the group is, is jazzed up. They're psyched. Um, it was a good performance. You know, we wanted to we wanted to be the first team to beat Mexico in Azteca, and we fell a little bit short. But the mood's not down, not at all. It's it's the opposite. Um, we know that we're going home. We know we're playing in front of a great crowd in Orlando, and we're excited about that. So the spirits are up. You know, again, I can't say enough about the effort of the guys to expend that much energy at, at altitude like that was was phenomenal. Next would be Henry Bushnell from Yahoo. Yeah, can you, Greg, can you hear me? Yeah, yep. Great. Uh, just wondering, were you aware, were you guys or your staff aware of the Panama result or the Panama score um, when you came out for the second half? Um, or was it, is it too early for any of that? No, we were aware of it, yep. Gotcha. Next would be Ron Blum from the Associated Press. That they were aware of the <clears throat> Hi, Greg. With DeAndre out for Sunday and Reggie Cannon uncertain, what does your right-back depth chart look like? Do you bring someone else in? Who do you have now did you consider there? Well, Eric Palmer Brown was filling in at right-back, and we know that's not his true position. But um, Shaq Moore is in Orlando as we speak, um, and he'll be joining the group. Next will be Grant Wall. Hey, Greg, congratulations on the result. Um, yesterday you had talked about how you had considered a B-team lineup tonight, and you decided not to do that. What went into your thought process of starting pretty much what looked like your best available starting 11? Yeah, I think like, like any good process, we evaluated the prospect. I guess, you know, I guess you can say, you know, I don't know how you can tie in um, considered and to evaluate that idea. 
that was what I was talking about yesterday. We sat down as a staff and just went through it and said, okay, what does this look like? Let's play this out. This is what it looks like when you're playing um, the a different starting 11 than your preferred starting 11. And then here's what it looks like when you play your, your starting 11. And in the end, it was, um, you know, we, this team has high aspirations for its performance. And we wanted to put a team, a group on the field that we felt could win the game in Azteca. And, uh, and that was the, the most important thing. So, you know, we'll recover. There's, there's plenty of time to recover. We'll get back to the States. We'll have a recovery tomorrow and we'll prepare for Sunday. Next will be Jeff Carlisle from ESPN FC. Button out, Jeff. Abajo de Gremlin. Hang on one sec, Jeff. Jeff, can you open your microphone for us? How's that? Can you hear me? Yep, thanks. Okay. Thank you, Michael. Hello, Greg. Um, obviously, there are some great chances tonight. Um, just thinking about the, the center forward position, you know, how did you think Ricardo and, and Jordan performed? Um, I, you know, I know you, you, you judge forwards but on a lot of different criteria. You know, overall, how did you think they helped out the team? I think that when you, when you talk about the effort, and I highlighted that in, in the opening statement, the effort of the group I thought was outstanding, and that includes both Ricardo and, and Jordan. Um, you know, when Jordan came in the game, it was a really difficult moment, specifically late in the game. Um, we had a hard time getting pressure on the opponent. And give you know give the coach give Tata a lot of credit for the way he set his team up. I thought it was it gave our press a lot of trouble, and um, you know it, it also gave us a lot of information. So we're gonna enjoy looking over that tape. But overall, disappointing not to score. Um, but you know Ricardo laid a good ball off for for Christian in the first half, and Jordan had a good chance as well. Next will be Sam Stasekol. Greg, obviously you mentioned the effort of the guys, but saw a lot of. Both late in the game and afterwards, pretty physically gassed. How taxing do you think tonight was from a physical perspective? And then, just as a second question, what do you think of the performance of Gio Reyna in his first qualifying match? Uh, since, since the first question. Sorry, say again. First question, Sam. Repeat it. Yes, please. Yeah, I was just asking how taxing, Greg, you thought tonight was physically on the guys compared to some of the other games. Was it was a little extra, um, just given everything they had to put in. So I heard the question about Gio, um, and I thought he did well. Um, it was ex the exact type of impulse we wanted our, our solutions to bring to the game, and, and he gave us that. Um, you could see that he's stronger, he looked quick. Uh, and he's he's getting fit. Uh, when he gets 100% fit, he's going to really help this team um, for longer stretches. But I thought he had a, a solid performance. Next will be Emily Olson from USA Today. Hey, Greg, uh, you just mentioned Gio, but I want to talk specifically about that moment in the game where he literally took the ball from the defensive third into the attacking third by himself. Um, <clears throat> All right, so there's the uh, press conference, post-match from Azteca of uh, Greg Burhalter. A couple things that he uh, jumped out. I think when he's talking about the A-team versus B-team discussion, first of all, I think the fact that he even mentioned the B-team was probably a dead giveaway that he was never actually going to do a B-team. Yeah, right? He's trolling the press almost at that point. Absolutely, and if anybody's still questioning this, mm -hmm. you need to get it reevaluate uh, your thinking when it comes to this. You can't try saving players, right. and then something goes awry in Orlando versus post Costa Rica, I'm sorry, like Panama. He says, right? He, this team has higher aspirations. That's what you want to hear it from is. your That's national team. That's what it is. If you really want to change the way that people view American soccer, well, then don't be afraid of who you play mm -hmm. anywhere. In CONCACAF. I could understand if you're playing France in France. I could understand that. Okay, maybe you change a bit. Yeah, Brazil in Brazil. Brazil anywhere, fine. Mexico, the Azteca, this Mexico, this underwhelming Mexican side, no. If you saw that, he was actually trying to stay away from saying B team, right? That was the right. question. He said, we have our ideal starting 11, but then we have other players. And I think, I thought that was very smart by him. Sometimes I believe you guys are, are too tough 
on Greg Berhalter on his decision making and, and, and I like to give him more credit for, for, for what he's done. The start was not ideal, yeah, but look what he has done against Mexico, right? Your nemesis. You gotta give it you, you gotta give the man credit. I thought the word is solid. It was a solid performance by the US men's national team. You don't lose at Stadio Azteca for the third. Uh, time in a row in World Cup qualifiers, that says yeah. a lot. Those players were not intimidated by Estadio Azteca and the environment. Yeah, he said well, they were, go ahead. You no, know, I was going to say, I don't know if not intimidated. There were certainly certain moments where I felt the moment was bigger than a few players, right? Really? The few stretches. Yeah, maybe 15 minutes there. Jordan Pifak, when he came on, I thought maybe it took, he never got his feet underneath him. Right. He never felt right. And, and a lot of that could be just the confidence of missing that goal. Could be a guy that hasn't played that much with this national team, too. He That's wasn't a in the very last, good point. The last yeah, That's window, a very you know? good point. But just, just the fact that for a certain stretch of this game, what's been the heart of this team, that midfield, mm -hmm. what really sets the tone for you well, was non-existent. Well, but you're missing a huge part of it. It's true. Right, and I think you're, maybe that's probably missing what you have the heartbeat to point of the team. But if it's next, next man up mentality, then that shouldn't be the case. Yeah, but there is no next man up, next man West. You were missing four starters, yeah. right? Well, this team was missing field players for three sure. Three field players and, maybe, and, maybe, and yeah. maybe Turner, right? But I wanted to ask you this about that PFOC miss. We heard what Andres Guardado had to say about the pitch no. not being in ideal no, conditions. No, 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 no. It happened to Christian Pulisic, not ideal contact. It happened to PFOC. You've been a striker, you've been a number nine. Is that an excuse? No, 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 no. That's, that's not the field. That's a striker getting the ball caught in between and not reacting quick enough. Yeah. But that's, that's a moment. That's a moment where you're thinking about the play, and it's a split-second play, and a million things come across your mind, and you no longer hit it well with your left foot, and you started questioning what you got with your right foot, and it just. He missed it. He choked in that moment, and there's nothing wrong with saying a forward misses a shot. It happens, but in the biggest of stages, after the fan campaign on social media, after everybody the outcry, where's Jordan Peefock? After scoring against Manchester United in the Champions League, after scoring was it 22 goals in 38 games, something like that, something crazy like that, to have that golden opportunity to be the hero of the game and let it go to waste, it was unfortunate. Uh, Greg Berhalter said he was disappointed the team didn't score, disappointed they didn't win. He's probably got a pretty good case to feel Absolutely. disappointed, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It, I mentioned Mexico had slightly overall better play in between the boxes. Slightly. Slightly. But the most dangerous that, chances. I, again, I go back to that's not like Mexico earned it. I feel like that's by design. That's every, every, no, course, every time you of course, see that's fine. Mexico, they'll seed possession. I don't know about that because we I saw mean, we saw them play through Mexico and Cincinnati. possession tonight. That's seeding possession. Well, well, I don't know if it's by design that you give them the ball is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Because against, be against Cincinnati, yeah. in, I'm sorry, against Mexico in Cincinnati, they played right through Mexico. And I thought Zach Steffen was superb with his feet today. I was questioning that movement. I was well, questioning that play, that call. Well, he had, he had play, a couple bad call. passes that oh, almost, no, 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 yeah, no, no, we're, no. we're converting Zach, Zach was very Mexico. good. Zach was very good. Uh, Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. I do not understand why you keep saying the team and Greg Berhalter should feel disappointed. No, no, he said it. He, he was asked about well, the question. I do feel right? they should and feel he disappointed. Said, he said, we, wanted, we wanted to be the first team to go in because... Because of the aspirations, he just, the higher aspirations. They said they wanted right. to be the first team to go into Azteca right. to and win. And you never won at Estadio Azteca. Okay, but you shouldn't they, feel disappointed. It well, was a good game. It was no, a I don't think they're disappointed with the result. Mexico, Mexico no, also had be. bad misses. You should be. Right? You should be. Mexico also had bad misses. You just Tecatito. said it. Tecatito had a bad terrible. miss. That's not a miss. Oh, that's not a miss. Uh, that's, oh yeah. You don't control the ball. You don't shoot. It's not a miss. It was a great chance. You don't miss if you don't shoot. Fantastic save. By by Zach. Yep. So Mexico had their chances Four as well. You guys half, shouldn't yeah. be, you shouldn't feel disappointed. You've uh, never wait, won in Mexico. Wait 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 wait, wait wait a second. Wait it's a actually second. a great result for the U.S. Nobody's Mexico saying it's team. not a good result. It is a good result. What you're uh, what you're trying to allege is that they shouldn't feel disappointed. But given the circumstances, you feel like you could have walked yeah, away. Yeah, I guess three the point points. I'm trying to make is that yes, this American team could have walked out of Azteca yes. tonight very easily. Mal, with three Why? points. Why? Because agree? you had two. Because they had chances? the better of the chances. Point two blank. Two good chances. chances? Point blank. Mexico also had two good chances. Oh no no no. No yes no, no. yes. Who's the best? Who was the best player in this game? Um. No really. I, come on. It who was, was not Memochoa. What? Zach Steffen also had a great save. No, no, Why not like Memo. Memo's making point-blank saves from Christian Pulisic at four feet. I mean, you you guys are talking like 
The U.S. men's national team dominated the game no, and no, no, deserved no, 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 no. to win. I don't no. believe they deserve to win. No. I think you're trying to switch this, Ray, because nobody's talking about domination. You're talking about feeling you say, you should have had Wait, do more. you think Mexico were more dangerous? I believe Mexico, like we established already, had possessions. The U.S. men's national team controlled the game, the pace of the game. But I feel like the draw is a fair result. I don't think I they think control the, the pace I, I think the nil-nil. I don't necessarily disagree result. with that statement, that, it is, that it, it's a fair result, the draw. Well, I'm not saying it's yeah. not a fair result because both teams were underwhelming to a certain extent, but the most clear chances were for the U.S. Men's National Team. So if you're playing on the road somewhere you've never won and you have two point-blank chances on the road somewhere you've never won, you damn well better think you could have walked away with three points. Yeah, I mean, if, if with 37% possession, you were as dangerous as the other team that had 63%, you got to look at the team right. Mexico that had 60 plus percent possession, right, wasn't at more dangerous. That's a huge problem. We've seen those performances before, right? Okay. La Clásica. <laughs> that doesn't make it ex But yeah, I don't, I don't think it is the Clásica because Mexico didn't have too many chances. La Clásica is that Mexico plays so well, they have all these chances. <laughs> Not recently. Hey, no, recently well, it is, it is lots of classic. Classic. Not the recent. Yes, I am. That's where I'm going with it. But, but look, look, I understand what you're trying to say. Like in the grand scheme of things, this is a good result playing in Estadio Azteca yes. because they've only lost yes. twice yes. in their yes. history. I get it. And listen, you can say what you want, but it's a, it's a very formidable place to play. That said, you go in with, let's be honest, they're talking about do you play your A squad, do you play your B squad? You're missing high-quality players. Mm -hmm. You're missing players that could and change Mexico a game wasn't. for you. And Mexico, Mexico was wasn't. only missing Andres Guardado, who did not start any of the not three even, games. He's not even an established starter with this team. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... If when so you, don't feel bad, you guys. Always Do not, bad. Don't feel bad. I think you're trying to deflect for you feeling bad. No! <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about Mexico in a second. Just, uh, just don't feel bad about that performance. We just saw the, the moment of the match, which is, is, is the play in the 35th minute. I mean, it's probably the best chance for the U.S. You figure, no, I don't know. Oh, Maybe Peafuck. it's not. The Peafuck yeah. is probably Because Peafuck's coming, he's going head on to it. Right. Christian Pulitzer's coming across him, and he hits it wrong. But Jordan Peafuck's coming head on to it. So to that point, is it more a bad finish from Pulisic or a great save from Memo? Because Memo really doesn't have to do it, a lot. It's very likened to the shot he had against Liverpool. Mm. It was a the FA or Carabao? FA Cup, yeah, FA Cup point blank, left foot. He also doesn't strike it very well, and he hits it right into the path of the goalkeeper. Uh, it, it's, it's not a terrible miss, but it is one that Christian Pulisic himself would want back, and that you think Christian Pulisic had that again, he'd probably bury it. You no, know, and you think about if he does bury it, how that changes the game now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But because they start a lot earlier than no, they did. No, because then the you're end. playing to Greg Berhalter's music, you're playing to the U.S. men's national team music, and the crowd now becomes a factor, yeah. right? We haven't talked about... We, we, we wanted to talk about a chant. The only chant we heard was Fuera Tata, mm -hmm. yeah. Tata out. And if the U.S. Men's National Team had converted that Pulisic chance, then I don't know what the atmosphere uh, would have looked like for Mexico. Definitely uphill. And uh, again, uh, I do, I do want to give Memo Trust some credit. And that save because he follows the play, right? It hits he him in the chest. Keeps up. Yeah, yeah it's a good positional up. save. Exactly. But I mean, uh, you know, uh, the goal changes completely how Mexico had to approach the game but, and how the U.S. also would have approached the rest of the game. But it also, and especially, in, in, you need to understand something when it comes to tense games. When you're playing in a very tense game, a goal can not only give you the lead, mm -hmm. but it gives you the confidence and it deflates the other team. There's a sinking feeling when your rival scores on you in a tense game. And you feel like and this it changes Mexico you. at Azteca was already maybe having that sinking feeling. That goal comes, boom. Like and almost you start thinking of the past three games once again. So if you go down in the score, you start thinking about Nations League, Gold Cup, Cincinnati, and then you have to go again in an uphill battle that you do not know if you're going to win. Uh, you mentioned the chance, so I kind of want to get into the environment at Azteca. We were told it was only going to be 50,000, you know, max capacity in there. It didn't even look like that. Then they mentioned another 10,000, yeah. so it's maybe it's supposed to be 60,000, Seb. So it wasn't 60,000 tonight, I'll tell you that for sure. You did hear the American Outlaws from time to time, the thousand of them. There were huge problems with the fan ID system kind of collapsing before games. So maybe some of that was people genuinely were there. They just couldn't get into their seats on time. Um, but the stadium itself didn't seem to regain the weight that it's had in the past, did it, Mal? Uh, the Estadio Azteca factor was not there. And it hasn't been there for a while now. It just, it's not just about this game. And I think we all understand why. People are not happy with the performance of the Mexican national team. This was also a big test for the Mexican Federation. How are you going to handle a game after what happened in Querétaro? And we saw the pictures of people at halftime yes. still trying to find their way in. 
Uh, the rest of security, I think it worked out pretty well. Uh, US fans were doing their thing and, and, and no issues so far reported, which is great. But the atmosphere just wasn't there. And, and, and the disconnection between the fans and the players is evident at this point. It's evident, and I want to get into that as well. But I'd like for you to explain, because you've explained it on this show a few times, and it's so relevant to me. I don't think it carries this weight anymore. Azteca, Besat doesn't carry that weight for other factors. They no longer play during the day. The NFL came in and reduced the seating from 120 to what, 90? Uh, no, less than that. Yeah, 80, 80, 85. For premium seating. So if you watch the game on TV in the US, right, the camera angle facing the benches, right, you do get to see fans in the, that first tier yeah. of the stands. But on the other side, they wanted to do luxury boxes. So that pressure of having the fans right next to the field is not there anymore. 35,000 fans. And, and the players have complained about that constantly, constantly. And it's not going to change because it's all about the money. How do you generate more revenue using that biggest stadium? So, so you no, no longer play during the day where it's very hot. How hot, how hot was it? Today at 3 p.m. We did a hit for Sports hit. Center. It was very warm. It, it was, was 80 degrees. Yeah, the sun's beating down on you, and that's when you really feel the altitude. Yeah. I mean, I think we saw some guys struggling towards the end of the game. But when the sun-altitude combo, you don't want any of that. And the last time that the U.S. came to Mexico and didn't get a point at least was during the day. The, they played the, the, two to the one, game in the day. 2-1 to one defeat exactly. versus Charlie Mexico. Davis Charlie Davies that. goal. Yep. Uh, yes, and I've played, I know it's different circumstances, club soccer, but going to Seoul, different stadium, we played at noon. Mm -hmm. Sun beating right down you, the combo of the, the cocktail that is the altitude, the smog, and the heat, it is killer. And that truly gives you a home field advantage. And then you put another 35,000 people in those stands. That's the home field advantage. That's when it carried its weight. Now, during these circumstances where these players, this team, a lot of doubts and everything surrounding with this stadium, you can see why it's not been that important. We also yet laying out of gas, yep. being substituted, but I also saw Chucky Lozano yeah. out of gas, not being substituted, staying on the pitch. And I saw Hector Herrera struggling, Edson Alvarez struggling, Raul Jimenez struggling. So that home field advantage for the Mexican national team is not there anymore. And a few months ago on this show on Football America, I told you guys, the Mexican Soccer Federation, while there was this ban for Estadio Azteca, mm -hmm did consider moving home field for, for the Mexican national team from Mexico City to either Guadalajara or Monterrey. The Rayados Stadium was actually a firm candidate to host World Cup qualifier games. In the end, mm. they decided to stay at Estadio Azteca, but the conversation still going on social media. Uh, to the point about kind of security and all that, there was something like 2,500 security on site for this. And they actually had some people mixed in with the fans yeah. to hopefully Undercover. identify people if the chant Incognito. was heard. We didn't really hear the chant, at least on television, did we? It was drowned out by, by yeah, a Mexico chant going, during yeah. the PA, so yeah. we which don't is, know. Which, which is, is one way to combat it. I did check with our ESPN reporters mm -hmm. inside the stadium. They said chant homophobic yeah. chant was not there to be heard. Um, we did hear, you know, early on there was a little bit of ambiente. I felt like there was, there was that stretch. Remember we were watching the game, I think it was like 18th minute or something. There, there's the Ole start and then of course and the next pass. Right yeah. um, there was also Cielito Lindo, maybe the first yeah. half hour, but then there were at the end of the game, the Fuera Tata chance. Um, it's not a loss now. And, and we had talked about maybe a loss could cost him his job, but it has dropped points at home. It's against the United States. This isn't going to help his popularity rating in Mexico, is it? Not at all. Sometimes in sports, we talk about moral victories, right? Well, now I want to talk about moral defeats. Mm -hmm. And this feels like a moral defeat for the Mexican national team, a moral defeat for Tata Martino. I told you guys right after the final whistle, I saw Tata Martino giving Greg Berhalter the two thumbs up, like saying, yo, right. nice doing <laughs> business with you, buddy. Yeah. And, and, and that's part of the problem because he's not realizing that the performance has not been there for a while and the fans have realized it and the Fuera Tata chant is not new, by the way. It's not the first time that it has happened, but it feels like a moral defeat for the Mexican national team. So if you look at like our ESPN Deportes coverage, uh, the hashtag that they were using was por orgullo, no? Like for pride, that this is a very important thing. And sometimes with Tata Martino, I wonder... Um, if he misses the connection with the Mexican fan base and if it's why he's right now so unpopular. Remember after one of the prior defeats to the U.S., it was like, yeah, it's three in a row. Cincinnati. Right, but, but it's not that big of a deal. No, no, it hurts here. It hurts to the Mexican fans for sure. Can I ask you something? Yeah. 
Do you think Tata Martino would say that to the Argentine people if he was coaching Argentina and they lost three in a row to Brazil? Well, I, I'm not saying about what he said. I'm, I'm talking about that body language, that accepting of that draw. That's a guy who knows, uh, I, got, I got easy games coming up. We're going to qualify. That's my goal. That can be your goal, but that's not the fans' goal. The fans want to be the best in CONCACAF, and they definitely want to be better so, than the United States. To me, States. that's a guy who doesn't know where he stands. That's a guy who doesn't know... What, no, the guy who doesn't care where he stands. That could be, that could be, but that's also being ignorant to what's around you and who's around you and what the Mexican Federation, what the pundits in Mexico, what the culture is like in Mexico. It's a lack of respect. And he may be right. Mm -hmm. In the grand scheme of things, they still may qualify and that's the most important thing. No problem. But if you think this is acceptable for a Mexican fan to go four in a row without being the U.S., or even our colleagues across the way here in these studios, you could hear, yeah. you could hear them right now. <laughs> Can I have the permission to say something that it might feel unfair? Yeah, that's what so the show is about, I just I think. about it. When you talk about like Tata Martina not being fully engaged, right? Yeah. And maybe not understanding either where he's at or just not caring at all. Maybe that's one of the reasons why for national teams, you hire national coaches. I do believe that plays a big factor. We can talk about Ricardo Lavolpe, right? He's from Argentina, yes, but he's lived in Mexico for the past 40 years. He understands what the job entitles and, and how to handle the Mexican media, the Mexican fans. I honestly believe Tata Martino doesn't care because he doesn't understand how it works. And two days ago, it was three years that he took charge of the team. I believe after three years, you should be a little more engaged with how things work. I don't think it's the case with Tata Martino. Yeah, I don't know about you being a certain national to a country, and that means you should get priority over anybody else. Um, if you're good enough for Barcelona, if you're good enough for Paraguay, if you're good enough to coach Argentina to go play in Copa America or to coach in Copa America finals, you should be good enough to coach in CONCACAF. I don't think that has too much to do with it, but there is that mm, disconnect. Maybe you're underestimating CONCACAF. Maybe you're under underestimating CONCACAF a little bit. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get into the Burhalter eleven, shall we? We haven't uh, maybe My taken man, a look at the questions that he had to answer. And I think I don't know. I guess most of them he got right. If you look at what yeah. the uh, what the lineup was for the national team manager, went with Zach Steffen at the back. There was some discussion. You thought he might go with uh, Ethan Horvath. Yeah, I missed it by two. You missed it by two. What was the other oh, one? Yeah. I thought it was Gio. You, yeah. Oh, you didn't have Ariola? Oh no, you thought Ariola would get the uh, would get the two shots on yeah. goal. There it is. So Pulisic, Pepe, way across the top. Uh, Acosta, Adams, and Musa, which is what you predicted. Miles Robinson and Zimmerman, Zimmerman there in the middle, and then uh, Yedlin, Anthony Robinson. Not a lot of surprises, I guess. Uh, pretty much got it right. Yeah. Um. What, what, if, he, if he didn't get it right, what would you have changed? Oh man, I don't know if I would have changed too much to be honest, because I, I thought Zach Steffen was was very good. Uh, Miles Robinson, I still would have gone with him. He's been very poor. Yeah. He's been poor for Atlanta. He's been poor with the men's national team now. Uh, that said, that is the seventh game that him and Walker Zimmerman do play together that they uh, don't get a goal scored on them. They are now 15 goals for mm -hmm. and one against. You know, that's it. It's a very good stat for those two together. Uh, so that being said, it's another, it's another uh, zero in the back for these guys. At, the thing is, this U.S. Men's National Team went in waves, and that's why I'm okay with, with this 11, because in waves, they proved him right. Sometimes in waves, you could have argued like, hey, this, you should take him out now. Yeah. You know, maybe a change in the midfield would have been suited for Kellen Acosta or, or for Musa when he was, was clearly gassed. I was going to ask Acosta as an eight. What would you make of it? Like, how do you think he played? Because that, that was a big question. He's not really – I think I, th yeah. I think of him more as a six. Yeah. You I know mean, what I thought? Honestly, I, I wouldn't say he was an eight. I thought he was going in with the idea of being a hybrid six okay. with a little bit more freedom to join. Um, clearly a very difficult game for him. Clearly – um, on both sides of the ball, they were being skipped. They were going through lines, right through them, over them. Mexico had very good change of, of, of play, of direction. Um, I think once those yellows started coming out, players were a little bit more on, on edge mm. and were a little bit more hesitant to fly in. Well, at least the U.S. Men's National Team, Edson Alvarez, not so much. Yeah, no. I mean, there was a, there was a couple, I think, decisions in this game. Uh, maybe the Yedlin tackle on Edson early on, yeah. that was a yellow. Maybe that could have been a red. Edson may have deserved a second yellow, probably no doubt. twice in that twice. second. No doubt. Twice. Uh, it, was a, it was a chippy game, man. I mean, it was what it you'd was. expect from USA-Mexico. But, but it, because it was sloppy, not because it was, like, exactly. malintent. Really? Yes. Exactly. So I was, I was looking at, at the lineup, right? And I was trying to figure out who do I thought was the best player during the game because you asked me, 
who was the right. star, who was the man of the match. I want to give props to Walker Zimmerman. He did a fantastic job with, with first uh, Charlie Rodriguez and then Raul Jimenez. Yeah. He, he had was a very close call with very Raul Very strong game, very solid game. So when I look at the lineup, I don't, I don't think I find A grades, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe B to B minuses, which happen to be good enough against this Mexican national team. So in the end, I thought Greg Halter had it right with this starting you know, lineup. If, if we want to nitpick at certain players, most will look at Ricardo Pepe and say he was involved yeah. in anything. Let's nitpick on Pepe because okay. that's, that's, a, that's a big decision. Yeah. He's gone with him again. Yeah. A guy that hasn't scored since October. Yeah. Um, and he in, really didn't have an opportunity at goal. So, so is, and you would say that maybe that's not on Pepe. I would say that's not on Pepe, yes. Well, don't we judge a fool? We say, oh, well, he's not scoring, but at least he's getting chances. Now he's yeah. not getting chances. That's yeah, not a problem. Yeah, he's not getting chances. No, but he's creating chances. I mean, that, that shot created for one chance. <laughs> he created one the chance. One the chance that yeah. could put the, the game away. So Raul Jimenez role, Wait, right? Sorry. Not only you score, but you help creating chances. Right, well, Raul's not doing much of the scoring lately, but yes, you're absolutely right. That's he's, very, he's very good at creating opportunities. Yeah. Ricardo Pepe today didn't have a clear one, and I would say that's not on him. I thought he did very well in the opportunity he had back to goal of flicking very up. Very well. You would say he did very well with that opportunity. There was a couple times he held it up that decently. Yeah, very it's, well. You know, I've been in this position, Seb. It's, it's a thankless job. It's a thankless job. And I, I was the guy playing the nine position at the Azteca when we won. It's right. a thankless job. So you're saying that's more on the performance of the guys around him or the strategy from the coach? That he was just always going to be kind of a lone wolf today? A little both. Okay. And I'm not saying it's the wrong strategy from Greg right. Berhalter. Right. I'm just saying, given the circumstances, he really didn't have a, a chance like PFAC where you're like, whoa, he really blew this one. Right. Uh, by the way, you might want to reconsider your wardrobe selection for tonight, right? Number one. Mariachi, it's a good one, man. Number two. So I, I, I saw one thing that I liked from Pepe, right? If I want to look at the glass half full, uh, the way the center backs for Mexico played, Johan Vasquez played, Cesar Montes played. Every Johan time. Played? Yeah, Johan Vasquez played, and he did well. He did well. <laughs> so <laughs> there were a couple of times in which Ricardo Pepe either dropped, right, or moved wide, and he forced to those center backs to follow him. And that's how he created some good chances for other players. I like that movement. Obviously, you're gonna judge a number nine by no, how many times, right. how many chances he either creates or tries to convert. And that was just not there for Ricardo Pepe tonight. Uh, what about Christian Pulisic? I mean, this is a guy who we focus on all the time. He didn't score tonight. He didn't no. have that big game moment, no. but I would make the case he was easily uh, the, the American's most dangerous player and probably the most dangerous player on the field. Most dangerous without a doubt. Yeah. I don't know if he was most productive for you when you didn't have the ball. You know, he what was. What do you want him to do? Well, it, when, you're playing there, Azteca, when you're playing at the Azteca, a, a little honest effort, at least shadow and close the lane would, would be great. But I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying. Easily the most dangerous player on both teams. He was very good at being dangerous. Yeah. Very good yeah. at drawing the attention. Got and the actually, yellow card on Edson. Exactly. Yeah. And I actually think his best, his best play, besides being dangerous, was when he didn't have the ball so much from those center backs and those uh, L3 defenders. So he held in two ways, in my opinion. First of all, Jorge Sanchez, Mexico's right back, right? He had himself a good game. And that's because he did well. the thing that he does best is being a part of the build of Jorge Sanchez I'm speaking of. But Mexico was so afraid of Christian Pulisic that we didn't see the Jorge Sanchez creating many chances because he had to stay back and take care of Christian Pulisic. That's how important he is. That's how he impacts the game time and time again. That's the chance we're going to talk about, of course, for many days to come, for many weeks to come. But I also understand that that dual factor, right? You try to prevent one of Mexico's weapons to do his thing, and in the end, you still create good chances. So I thought it was a good night for Christian Pulisic. Yeah, it's not quite, uh, Herc, what we saw in Cincinnati where you get that, that like magic moment. But coming I think off the bench. Coming off the bench. <laughs> well, he could have had it. I mean, think about it. He could have had that magic yeah. moment easily. Yeah. I mean, they're, two, they're very right? similar to his performances in the past versus Mexico. I mean, he's only dangerous when he actually shoots. Well, is that maybe an indication of how vulnerable Mexico actually is defensively? It's, how he, it's, it's what Christian Pulisic does every time. He really doesn't touch the ball a lot, but when he does, he creates problems for right. Mexico. Yeah, the, I mean, both center backs for Mexico struggle a little bit. Johan struggled, I have to, 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 to admit that. That's why I believe Ricardo Pepe, it's not that he had a bad game because right. he, was, he was making those center backs run many miles during can, that night. Can I explain myself really quick mm -hmm. on Christian Pulisic uh, only being dangerous when he shoots? Because mm -hmm. somebody's going to think about that and be like, well, of course. Right. That's, that's, when he's, supposed to be that's what he's supposed to be doing. Look at Giovanni Reina when he came on. Every mm -hmm. time he got the ball, yep. he was putting players on skates. He was putting Champions League players on skates. He was putting very good 
national team players on skates. He was making them ask questions. He was making them go one way, he'd go the other, opening up lanes. FIFA playing. video games. It, it, was, it was that type. Of, and, and for Christian Pulisic, who everybody wants him to be the face of U.S. soccer, but he is the face of U.S. soccer. It's not that you want him, he is the face of U.S. soccer. You expect it a little more. It, it felt like he's still, we're still waiting for him to explode. But he has the big moments versus Mexico. He just didn't score the big goal today versus Mexico. Gio Reyna was exceptional yes. off the bench. And just another little proof of Greg Berhalter dipped into the bench when he needed it, brought somebody on that didn't create a goal but created something, and Mexico didn't have that. That's, I think, another uh, way where Berhalter gets the thumbs up. Do you over remember Tata today. what I told you when Gio Reyna came on? What did I tell yeah, you? Yeah, you said he winked at everybody. He's winking at his teammates. Yep. <laughs> I knew then it was over. Yeah, I was curious to see how many minutes he was going to get tonight because he hasn't played a lot. Yeah, he was true. injured. He just for played a long 92. Time. Playing yeah. at Estadio Azteca is not easy. We already touched on that. But that play, I mean, guys, didn't, didn't we all thought of Diego Armando Maradona? Didn't, didn't we all think of Diego Armando Maradona at Estadio Azteca in 1986? The way he was just dropping defenders uh, all along the pitch. He, he lacked the final touch. But I think it was just proof of how, how good he is. I'm glad that he's recovering his confidence after a heart injury. Heard you can speak to this. It's hard to be confident again in your skills, in your abilities. I saw a very confident Gio Reyna, and he's going to be very, very important for the next games. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. If he could do this over 30, what could he do with a start, Herc? Especially at home. Yeah. Because that's when the U.S. men's national team is You think he has to start now? Yes, because you, you don't, you don't. Plus, Wea got yeah. that, uh, got a yellow, right? Wea got the yellow, so he's out, Yedlin's out. So, yeah, you, you've got to start. You don't try saving something for Costa Rica. You, you have to stop with this. Stop with these, like, scenarios. <laughs> like, let's save here. What if this, that. Play what's in front of you. A team, B team. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, so uh, let's recap what we just saw over the last 90 minutes at Estadio Azteca in the 0-0 draw between the United States and Mexico. A point each and a point that will uh, serve them both well, to some extent, uh, en route potentially to the next World Cup in Qatar. Neither team has yet clinched. In fact, nobody in CONCACAF has clinched. 90 minutes of scoreless action between these two teams. Uh, no goals, but plenty of chances between the two. There you see Tecatito. In a moment of frustration, Christian Pulisic as well. Each of those guys had a great, great chance in the first half. Neither could convert. Memo Choab, I think we'd all agree the uh, the man of the match. Oh, no, you, Walker Zimmerman. Walker, Walker Zimmerman. Zimmerman, says Mauricio Pedrosa, just to be Look, uh, that's where you, That's where you think he should go attack it <laughs> a different way. Yeah, Greg Berhalter knows that was it. There was a lot of people with that expression at Azteca. I think uh, that's probably not how Greg Berhalter feels about the evening. Uh, as a whole. So here's a look at the recent showdowns between the U.S. and Mexico since Tata Martino took over, and it is uh, not a very good record. The last win for Mexico, of course, the uh, 2019 Gold Cup final, last competitive uh, win that was that friendly there in September of 2019 as well. So let's transition to Mexico, shall we, a little bit? Turn our focus uh, two and three. Of course, we heard the boos, the fuera tatas. I think they were booing him before the game. Is that right, man? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Wow. When he was introduced, he was booed loudly. You yeah. surprised by that? Not at all. No. I mean, <laughs> did you boo? I mean, if, <laughs> if I had been in the stadium, I might have booed as well. Uh, no, but I mean, uh, it's just not a good performance. Yep. And the problem is, you can have a bad night. You can have two bad nights. But if you're able to, you are not able to find the answer. Then the problem is on the manager. We were watching the game and I started yelling, you do have substitutions available. You can make a move. You have Alexis Vega. You have Antuna. You have Diego Lainez, if you will. <laughs> and he was just not willing to do that. And then I didn't like the substitution. So uh, I like the fact that he tried something different. Like we explained before, the role of Charlie Rodriguez, which was successful for the first 15 to 20 minutes but then was completely irrelevant. So I understand the boost. I understand the frustration. And if Tata Martino keeps on this trend, I do believe there's a chance, even if Mexico qualifies, 
that he won't be the manager wow. at the World Cup late this year. When you say that, are you saying that even if they win the next two games, or are you saying that something else bad has to happen in the last two games? They still stumble over the line, but then he would really be in You're jeopardy. supposed to beat Honduras, and you're supposed to beat El Salvador. You have to do that. So even if you even if you win those the record games, is not very good in San Pedro Sula. Agreed, agreed. But Honduras has been eliminated. El Salvador is eliminated. They have nothing to fight for. You have to win those games. You have to win one of those games, and you probably are going to be in the World Cup. But again, what have we seen from this team that makes us go, oh, I can see Tata Martino's hand here. Mm. Oh, I... I can tell how good this player or this section of the, of, of the field for the Mexican national team is because of Tata Martino's job. I still, I'm still trying to find answers for that question. Okay, well, let's get some answers from the man himself. Right. Tata Martino, here is at the press conference live from Estadio Azteca. Yeah, nosotros hemos perdido esa tranquilidad en los últimos 25 metros del campo, no solamente a la hora de, de poder hacer un gol, sino también a la hora de elección de pase o a la hora de una gambeta y, y encarar con confianza. Está claro que eso es un tema que tenemos que recuperar, pero sí me quedo con el hecho de, de haber competido bien con Estados Unidos. Eh, Yo le decía a los muchachos en la conferencia de prensa que eh, sentí que Estados Unidos en el segundo tiempo en, en Cincinnati eh, había sido uno de los pocos equipos que nos había dominado, que había controlado el partido y para nosotros era una materia pendiente poder igualar el partido a lo largo de los 90 minutos. La, la cuestión no es desde mi punto de vista de valentía, sino de que lo que ha cambiado radicalmente es eh, la actualidad de nuestros jugadores, de la mayoría de nuestros jugadores, en las ligas donde están, donde están compitiendo. Porque, por ejemplo, la mitad de la cancha es la misma que jugó contra Costa Rica acá de local hace 60 días. Preguntarle, bueno, México estará en el Mundial, pero ¿a, ¿a qué atribuye que se ha sufrido de más en esta eliminatoria? Muchas gracias. Bueno, la verdad es que yo no tengo tampoco tanto conocimiento de eliminatorias anteriores. Eh, lo cierto es que nosotros nos toca jugar por primera vez una eliminatoria de CONCACAF con ocho equipos y a falta de dos fechas ningún equipo está clasificado. Entonces... este Obviamente que esto marca un, un alto grado de dificultad y, y nosotros estamos inmersos en ese grado de dificultad porque además en todo el recorrido hemos tenido no solo vaivenes en los resultados sino también vaivenes en, en el rendimiento. Tata Martino coming to you live from Estadio Azteca, his post-match press conference. Here's Mexico's qualifying scenarios. They can clinch a top four spot, which doesn't qualify. It just sends you to the playoff with a win or a draw against Honduras on Sunday. They go straight to the World Cup Sunday with a win against Honduras. And if Costa Rica drop points against El Salvador, they'll also qualify for Qatar on Sunday with a draw against Honduras should Costa Rica lose against El Salvador. We've just heard the words of the Mexican national team manager, Mao, your thoughts? First reaction, we'll do our best to translate. Uh, one good statement, one, one bad statement. Yeah. First good statement, admitting that at Cincinnati, uh, in the second half, they were, and I quote, dominated yeah. by the U.S. men's national team. I thought that was honest by him, and I liked it. Second statement, very concerning, when he was asked, why was this, why has this been so hard to qualify? And he said, well, I don't really have knowledge of how previous World Cup qualifiers went here at CONCACAF. You cannot say that as a manager of the Mexican national team. And he's saying, well, pretty much saying, you've always struggled to qualify for the World Cup. Why am I supposed to answer a question like this? I didn't like that answer because I think it, re it reflects again what we spoke about. I don't know if he knows where he stands at or how much he cares about it. Agreed. He's also not lying. Yeah, but he was, not, he was not broad to do the same thing as previous managers. Okay, but he's also not lying. 
the U.S. men's national team did dominate Mexico in Cincinnati. Mexico has struggled to qualify uh, the, last, the last cycle. Uh, the last four the cycles. Last cycle. They struggled to qualify the last three cycles. Now the, the last, last cycle, cycle. Fine. But he's, uh, what I'm trying to tell you is he's also not lying. But I agree with Mao and your statement. That's not what he was brought here to do. And the problem here is the first time everybody, everybody was in agreement. You did what you were supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. He went back to being Tata Martino. Everybody yeah. wanted Johan. Johan mm -hmm. Vasquez, not Hector Moreno. Johan Vasquez comes in. He was not good. He doesn't make a sub to the 79th minute. The 79th minute. He went back to being Tata. He went back to this shell-like behavior. He went back to talking to the rest. We thought he was going to get sent off. Yeah, he got a yellow. He went back to that Tata. Okay, um, one thing I would say. Remember Greg Berhalter talking about the ambition and, and being disappointed that they didn't get that historic yeah. first win? I, I hear the opposite of that when I hear Tata Martino. Haber competido bien con Estados Unidos. Yeah. We competed well against the United States at home. That's a, that's a pretty low bar. Uh, let's dive in on some of the individual performances then for Mexico. I guess we can start with Raul Jimenez. This is a player who is the number nine for Mexico and who has yet again gone a game, Mao without a goal. I told you guys yesterday, he's not in great shape. He's not in a good form with his club, with the Mexican national team. And I think tonight at El Estadio Azteca, it was just more of the same. He tries, he drops, he wants to be a part of creating chances. But again, we are going to judge a number nine by how many scores, by how many goals you score or how many goals you help create. And that was not the case there tonight for Raul Jimenez. And it hasn't been the case for a while now. There was a moment early on when he draws the yellow on Miles Robinson where I thought, oh, okay, okay Raul's... Yeah, he's a little, like, nice little clever Meg. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, here's, here's the Raul we're going to get. But again, there were, no, there were no big chances for him tonight. None at all. Yeah. And... and He's a player that creates chances. That's his best attribute. And he didn't do that tonight. He didn't do that tonight. That's yeah. what worries me. It's not him scoring because that's been Raul. Hold on. Let me, let me finish. <laughs> because for as long as you and I have known each other, that's, that's been his issue is that he doesn't put the ball in the No, there was an 18-month stretch at Wolves. But yeah, post, post injury, you're not wrong. Yeah, well, post and pre-Wolves, I'm not wrong. He had 18 very good months. At where Benfica, he was, he was really good. <laughs> Stop. At Benfica, he was really good. Stop. He had 18 months where he was so good, we were comparing him to the best nines in the world. He was so good. He captivated a whole nation, and that's my guy. No more Chicharito Hernandez. But his best attribute isn't scoring goals. It's creating opportunities. And to me, a Raul Jimenez who doesn't create opportunities is just another player on the field. Yeah. By the way, 52 minutes into the show until finally someone named Javier Hernandez, who might be the answer to the question, oh, why, yeah. why is Mexico not scoring oh. goals, right? Hey, hey, he is 52 trending. minutes. It took us 52 minutes to name the solution for this team. And apparently everybody else is naming it too. It's apparently trending on Twitter right now. Of course now. he is. Everybody wants to see Chicharito. There was the, uh, a little bit of a penalty <laughs> shout Raul in the 70th minute with Zimmerman. Yeah. Uh, but that was a dive, right? That we all agree that was a well. There's always contact with, within yeah. the sport. I think he felt a slight contact and then dove. And I think the dive, he didn't sell it. The ref wasn't buying it. Um, Hector Herrera, a guy we expected a lot, a lot from today. Certainly given his form with Atletico Madrid. Did he deliver? No, he was okay. He wasn't bad. But that's not what you needed. Okay is Agreed. not Agreed. Agreed. But remember, previous international break, we said he was bad, right? And we thought maybe he has, to, he has to miss a couple of games. Maybe he will lose his starting role with the Mexican national team now after, after being great for the past month with Atletico de Madrid. I found one big problem with Hector Herrera. I just didn't understand what his exact role tonight was. And I thought that was concerning. <clears throat> was he to play next to Edson Alvarez and both been holding midfielders? Yeah. Was he playing box to box and maybe had to be closer to Charlie Rodriguez? I thought it was never clear what his role was. And if that was the case, yeah, it was hard for him to perform at that level. I thought you were giving Tata Martino credit for kind of the tactical switch, the 4-2-3-1. But credit for trying something okay. new. But it didn't work. It didn't work. It worked for 20 minutes and then it didn't work. Achiacha tonight, Herc. I didn't think he was terrible. He was not, he was not terrible. That's the problem. You expect a player yeah. who's been playing so well for Atletico Madrid to take over that midfield. Yeah. To and make one game-changing pass. And, and, and he know, had and a he, lot of game-changing passes that he, tried. that he just missed. Just missed, yeah. just missed. Mm -hmm. uh, that said, and I said it, we've said it yesterday. Who does he have playing around him at Atletico? Who does he have playing around him with the Mexican national team? Okay. Uh, real quick on Chucky. I mean, just a no-show. Again, hasn't played much at Napoli lately, and I think it, it, it showed. He's, uh, he, was, he, he was out of gas after well, the 70th well, minute. Well, just really quickly, was even more worrying that, not that he was out of gas, was 
how like the petulant type behavior he was yeah. he was he's a frustrated player he was frustrated but with his teammates i mean the looks that he was giving his teammates his hands up yeah. it was it was something to be took his, took his first shot and goal until the 53rd minute mm. to Lozano. yeah that's a guy you need to get way more involved <laughs> way great. earlier uh, in that game let's talk about the state of the rivalry and what kind of this this victory means I don't want to say giant of CONCACAF because that's what we always talk about in the show, but we have to now consider Canada very much in this conversation. So just in the so-called choque de gigantes, does the result, do the performances tonight, do they move the needle one way towards Mexico or to the United States? Or does it keep it right where it was? <laughs> it keeps it right where it was. Really? Which is trending definitely to the United States direction. Yes, it is trending to the United States direction. This is now the fourth game where Tata Martino, the Mexican national team, have been unable to defeat the U.S. men's national team. And, and after, we see, after we saw the three yeah, games. Third straight game they can't third, score. Third three straight game that they lost. The, all the talk was, wait till we get back to Mexico. Wait till they're in Mexico. Mm -hmm. In the United States, even though a couple of those games, they were the home team. Mexico was a home team. That's where they're good. Wait till they come to Estadio Azteca. Well, they were in El Estadio Azteca. Slightly better Mexico. But the better of the chances, the United States men's national team. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I don't want to contradict myself with something I said earlier on the show, but I'll say this. It, the needle did move a little bit towards the U.S. Miss National Team direction. You come to Estadio Azteca, you create great chances. Uh, you go home, you don't concede a goal, and you put yourself in a good position. You have good individual performances. I think the needle's still trending towards the U.S. Miss National Team. Yeah, it definitely didn't pick, peg back right. towards Mexico. But that's what you were saying. That goes back to what you were saying. I mean, it, it goes exactly where it was, trending to the U.S. Miss National Team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, some discussion if this was maybe the most important U.S.-Mexico game since the 2002 World Cup. Um, no, I mean, if you think about what's on the line, it, there's still a World Cup spot up for grabs. What was the last most important, like a CONCACAF Cup 2015? Yeah. Because you were playing for another tournament? You're, yes. you're playing for a bigger <laughs> tournament. You know, it's, called, it's called the World Cup. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, okay. Plus, it's the last one. Plus, it's the last one for six, six years, that's, at least. At least. At least, least man. That's, that's well, you, gotta, you gotta assume it's at least eight or nine. In and of itself. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, uh, let's talk about Canada and Costa Rica, huh? Big game uh, in CONCACAF as the Canadians suffer their first defeat of this round of qualifying. They fall 1-0 to Costa Rica. Costa Rica getting a goal from Celso Borges in first half stoppage Youth time. movement. That put them up 1-0. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Mark anthony Kaysen off for Canada. So they finished the game with 10 men and the Canadians with a loss for the uh, first time. Defeated for the first time. Uh, Herc, something, nothing, or everything. Canada falling from the ranks of the unbeaten. It's something. We can't say it's nothing. I mean, 25 points right now. What is it, 22-22 Mexico, United States. Mexico uh, below the United States in goal differential. Are you suggesting Canada is going to not qualify for the World Cup? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they're making it more interesting than they should have been. Okay. And it's all because... And from what we've seen, it was a clumsy tackle by Mark Anthony Kay. It could have been something that should have not happened, and you could have controlled the game and already been qualified. i got to say, I'm not all that surprised that Canada lost in exactly. Costa Rica, like exactly. historically, right? Exactly. Yeah. To me, this is They had not lost the last six games versus Costa to Rica. To me, this is absolutely nothing. Uh, if you go and play a team in desperation mode, yeah. like Costa Rica, Costa Rica playing at home, and you play the entire second half with 10 men, and you only, and you only lost the game 1-0, not about result. You're still in first place. You're still in pole position. Canada will qualify most likely as first place in CONCACAF. Yeah, they've so got Jamaica me, in, in Canada. So. It, yeah, so this loss to me is nothing. They, they are still the class in the region. Home uh, against uh, Jamaica and away against Panama, the two games mm. then that are left for Canada. We got some post-game sound from Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna. Let's listen in. So, Obviously, Christian, you had, you had started us. You two 
Gio as well. But I just wanted to know um, throughout the game, um, there was obviously there's going to be momentum shifts um, throughout. But did you feel like you guys had the control of this game um, throughout, or did, were there times where you felt that maybe sometimes you guys lost control of the game and getting a result? I don't think we necessarily had control throughout the game. I mean, they're a good team. We expected that. But uh, we did have the chances to win the game, and uh, we didn't convert. And, uh, yeah, we fought hard to, to get a point in the end. That's to be Paul Tenorio from The Athletic. Thanks, Michael. Um, Christian, maybe to start with you, just uh, how difficult was it Late in the game, it seemed everyone had kind of the guys who had started, especially had just put every ounce of energy they had into it. How much were you feeling it late in the game? And and, and Geo, for you, I wonder just how you feel getting back on the field with the national team, and maybe if you could walk us through that that run you had where you took on you know six or seven players and and uh, seemed like you were destined for goal for a bit there. Thank you. Yeah, felt great to be back. Um, it was a tough game. Yeah, I just try to come in and make a difference. Um, yeah, and then I guess on the run, it was just, just more instinct. I know it was a few guys retired, so I just tried to, to carry the ball up the field. And then, yeah, I ended up dribbling by a few guys. And yeah, you know, I was about that. Yeah, and um, it was definitely a tough game. Uh, it took a lot out of us, I think. Uh, I'm really proud of the way that uh, the guys just put in the shift, uh, shift and just the effort. Um, to make sure that we got that point in the end was, uh, was really big. Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna there from the Estadio Azteca as we look at the Sunday schedule for big games. Uh, Canada, Jamaica, El Salvador, Costa Rica, USA against Panama in Orlando, and Honduras against Mexico from San Pedro Sula. All right, so let's look ahead to Sunday. We've got some lingering questions ahead of a huge match day in CONCACAF. Let's start with the United States against Panama. Just how confident are you in this American side after what you just saw them do in Azteca ahead of the match in Orlando? They'll be a bit depleted, deplete, excuse me, physically, um, but as you should be when you play a game like that against your, your bitter rival. But I think uh, with the age of these players, with some of them already being used to playing uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, you know, weekend, midweek, I think they'll be fine. I, I'm fairly confident in this U.S. Men's National Team. In the United States. Right. In the United States. I think that's when the, they'll get it done. And, and Panama, uh, questions of themselves yeah. being asked, yeah. letting that draw happen to Honduras was already eliminated. So psychologically, that could be a huge blow for them. You think this could be like a two or three nothing for the U.S.? Not, uh, three or four nothing, like a, a proper blowout? Because it's what we saw when, when they Don't played in Orlando. It. Don't say it. Five years ago. Don't say it. Four nothing. I knew you were going yeah. to say that. Uh, do I and think does it, the U.S. need that performance? Because we haven't seen that yet in qualifying. They need a win. I, I, they, they don't need a performance like that. They, they need to win. That's, that's bottom line. Greg Berhalter, these players, they need to win. And then have the, a catastrophe not happen in San Jose, San Jose, Costa Rica. They need to find a right back too. No DeAndre Yedlin. Well, Shaq Moore is on his way to Orlando as we speak. Yeah. Yeah, are you surprised by that? You I wanted am. Scally? I wanted Joe Scally. Shaq Moore plays yeah. in Tennessee for second division. Shaq Moore, for my money, is not Joe Scally type level. And, that, that's on Greg Berhalter. That's a preference of his, but it's one that I do not understand. Can Scali take a flight from Germany all the way to Orlando, or is that not, not you think on the there's table? A direct, the direct flight. Not, uh, right? Dest injured, of course, and Cannon in a uh, COVID protocol situation, so uh, difficulties at right back for, there for the United States. What about for Mexico? Let's focus on the front line. It is the front three that everybody wants to see, Mao. It's like, on paper, it should work. It's not. Is it time to change it? They haven't scored when they play together. This World Cup it's qualifying unbelievable. process. unbelievable. Wow. How do you explain it? They haven't scored when they play. I don't know. Well, I do know. I do have an explanation for that. During this World Cup qualifiers, there hasn't been a game in which we can all agree those three guys are at their, if not at their peak, form. but at, uh, yeah, in you, great you, form. You, you, took my, you took exactly what I want to say out of my mouth, and you're exactly, exactly right. So, so uh, by the end of last year, it was Tecatito Corona. He was not playing with Porto, yes. he was not in good shape, and he looked like that when he played in Cincinnati. Now, we know Chucky Lozano is not playing much with Napoli. We already touched on Raul Jimenez's struggles right now. Tecatito looked 
kind of okay. Like he has looked with Sevilla recently, but we haven't seen El Tridente at a peak level so far. Not at all. And I agree with what you're saying, them being informed at the same time. These stars aligning for these three at the same time because let's remember, let's recall, uh, Raul Jimenez wasn't a part of this World Cup qualifying campaign when it first started. And a big question was, do you bring him in? He's not been a part. He's not played much. And all of a sudden, he's a part of it. And then it's Tecatito's not even playing at Porto. And then it's Chucky Lozano is injured. Yeah. And then it's Chucky Lozano is injured again. Yeah. So they've never been at their peak form together. So give me some names. Give me some names. Well, I was going to ask you, who do you bench? Right? Yeah. Do you Oof. bench Chucky Lozano? Do you bench Raul Jimenez? Uh, well, well, that, I think after you tonight, cannot bench Tecatito Corona right now. To pull after tonight. I, I think, think I think Chucky Lozano with his yellow card is already going to yeah. be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's so, correct. So, so you play Alexis you. Vega. Uh, I saw Alexis Vega a little bit out of shape, by the way, during the game tonight. It's very difficult coming on and... and, and it, 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 it was hard. Yeah. yeah, it was hard. But I would play Alexis Vega from the start. Well, I got a name for you. Okay. Diego Lainez. Vamos! Vamos! Worth noting, we're hearing that Tata Martino will not travel to Honduras yeah. uh, because of health concerns. So well, they're reporting that he will not travel because of health concerns. Tata did not want to confirm that in the press conference. But Tudén is reporting that. Wow, could be a major news for Mexico out of a huge game against Honduras on Sunday. Let's take a look at the teams that have qualified already for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. The list continues to grow. However, there is one name that you will not see on this list. Not today, not tomorrow, and not ever. And that name is Italy. That's right, the defending European champions were knocked out in a playoff not in the final like we might have expected against Portugal. No. In the game before that against North Macedonia, they lost 1-0. And hurt they lost 1-0 at home. Italy's going to miss a second straight World Cup. That is insane. They're the European champions. And they're going to miss a second straight World Cup. They had a run of 35 straight games without a loss. You're talking about a team that missed last World Cup. The cycle before that, 2014, in Costa Rica, England, yep. that in, out of the group in Europe, phase yeah, didn't get out of the group phase. The one before that, 2010, didn't get out of the group phase. This is, this is crazy. This is a team that went uh, on a 35, uh, 35, way, uh, 35 games in a row without losing. Right. Mm -hmm. They win the European tournament, and they won't play in the World Cup again. It's hard to believe. And they had a, a good younger generation of players. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. It is, but it's also a message. If Italy can miss out on back-to-back -back World Cups, anybody, <laughs> anybody. I see what you did there. Anybody. Wow. The United States could, but very unlikely uh, at this point after they pick up the point. That's what we're talking about Chile. To Orlando to face Panama on Sunday. On Tuesday, it's Portugal and North Macedonia for a spot in the World Cup. Tuesday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time, that game on ESPN2 and streaming live on the ESPN app. We also have some uh, Major League Soccer for you on Sunday on ESPN. Good game between uh, Portland and Orlando. On Monday's show, we will be breaking down that game in Orlando uh, between the United States and Panama. And everything else that happened in CONCACAF on Sunday, Casey Keller slated to join us on the show. So should have Legend. A, a lot of fun with Casey. Always a, a good time when he joins us. And of course, you can download this show in podcast form as well. That'll do it for us here in the Mexico City studios of ESPN. For Mauricio Pedrosa. Let's go for some tacos. Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Yes. Time to unwind and get ourselves fed. We'll see you back stateside on Monday.